welcome to another episode of the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. Um, slightly different voice today. No Brett on the line. He has deserted us, abandoned us. Um, but you've got the Fred show, the Fran and Ed show. So I think this is actually better. Uh, how are you doing, Fran? Brett's not going to like that introduction at all. <laughs> I know. It goes against everything he's been doing recently. <laughs> yeah. So how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I finished exams last week, so I've got a little bit more free time to, I suppose, do nutrition, which is really nice. Good. Well, it's not as if you weren't doing nutrition when you were doing your exams, though. No, being forced <laughs> to learn nutrition rather than actually being able to read around things that I wanted to read around, I suppose. Yeah, fair enough. So what sort of things were your exams on? Um, so I had an exam on immunology, which is basically about your body's like defense system against like coughs and colds. I had an exam on physiology. Um, so basically how your body reacts to different exercise modalities, um, recovery mechanisms, etc. And then the final exam was nutrition. So um, basically everything sports nutrition based. So carbs, fats, proteins, um, and a lot more as well but it's just gone out the back of my head <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, you can retain that knowledge really really well oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, very uh, the last one <laughs> very topical on the immunology stuff because uh, I think everybody including myself is ill at the moment yes yeah so. it's not ideal is it <laughs> did uh, was there any magical tips that we should all take on board uh during in the research or of how to avoid or recover um exercise regularly don't exercise too much don't exercise too little um eat lots of micronutrient dense foods um potentially supplement with vitamin d potentially supplement with um vitamin c when you are ill um and other than that just um the usual boring stuff like wash your hands avoid contact with anyone with a flu or disease um rest up when you are ill so the the yeah that's good so don't exercise too little. Don't exercise too much. What is the, uh, the the magic the magic middle ground then? So exercising too much would be classed as doing probably like an ultra endurance sport. So like two three hours of hardcore endurance exercise a day. Exercising too little would be not meeting the government's recommendations of kind of like um, five days a week of like half an hour. Um, so yeah, anywhere in the middle is better than two extremes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so. There's a concept called the J-shaped curve, um, which basically means that at either extremes, you're kind of got a compromised immune system, but somewhere in the middle, you are sort of optimizing things. Cool. Um, I did a really interesting study when I was back at, back in the day of being at university. Uh, one of the PhD students was looking at bovine colostrum on the immune system um, mm -hmm. and how that um, could potentially enhance your immune system um, because there's the bits that are in like calf's milk, uh, calf, uh, not calf's milk, uh, mother's milk uh, for that will be we used um, from a cow um, and then obviously it's also in uh, breast milk as well and then we don't really get much of the these sort of like this bovine colostrum in our everyday diets so it's looking at supplementing with that um, and he, he asked me at the end of it he said do you think you were you had the supplements or not because it was a blind trial uh, and we, we had to do some like pretty heavy exercise um, like a two and a half hour run and uh, like a three hour cycle uh, to I can't remember what percentage it was of, of your VO2 max and um, it, you were pretty knackered by the end of it the run the run was pretty easy but the cycle was pretty tough um, and 
it, obviously like that after having I think it was like three months of the the potential supplement it was basically just like a whey shake every day um with the potential of having this bovine colostrum mixed into it and um he's like oh did uh did you think you you had it or not and um and I said well I, I think I did because I haven't been ill uh for for three four months whatever it was and um bearing in mind being at university like you're ill all the time aren't you <laughs> so yeah um, but he never told me whether I was or not and I told you I never read the paper when it was published either so I'm sure I've got it saved somewhere uh when I saw it released yeah. but um no I, I've not heard of it being a, a massive thing since so uh whether it just didn't really carry much weight whether it was inconclusive I, I don't know so yeah don't know if that was anything yeah no that'd be an interesting one to go read, yeah, read up on yeah I don't know if it was anything that came up in your your studies at all when you were looking into it. Uh, that no, that wasn't um, that wasn't something. Funnily enough, uh, one of the things that came up was beer um, having anti um, antioxidant effects of beer. So there was a couple of studies that looked at supplementing people with quite a large quantity of. I think they removed the alcohol, but um, quite a large quantity of beer to see um, if that would affect any of kind of like the inflammation markers within people and like um a large a very very large quantity of non-alcoholic beer does have some anti-inflammatory effects so oh cool i suppose you could extrapolate that out to saying a beer every so often might help <laughs> but, and, then, and that is sarcasm <laughs> yeah yeah but and then i suppose you add in the alcohol and then you get all the, the side effects of that so uh, yeah not yeah. so I do <laughs> so uh, yeah you can smash a few Bex blues or uh, <laughs> that sort of thing that yeah. might help <laughs> damn uh, shame it's not Guinness or something like that <laughs> or gin yeah. not uh, so nice <laughs> yeah yeah cool um so uh so how's training at the moment I've seen lots on your Instagram of lifting heavy things lifting more than most blokes um yeah yeah it's it's going really well actually I am I think around about 10 to 12 weeks out from my next competition um so I guess the intensity of all my training is going to start to ramp up a little bit but where I'm at at the moment I'm really um kind of happy with and I should hopefully um have made some good progress when I next step onto the platform um as well as having gone up a weight category as well which I'm sure will lead quite nicely into what we're going to discuss today um because this time around, I will not be affected by any type of kind of like weight manipulation um, that may or may not have impacted my performance last time around. So, okay, yeah. Cool. So what weight category were you in? What are you? So we're talking about powerlifting for anybody who doesn't know. So that's like you get your three different disciplines, a bench press, a squat and a deadlift. Um, so what weight category were you in? What have you moved up to? So I was in the 57s um, and I sat like a couple of kilos above that. And I'm just going to move up into the 63s. Um, I don't expect to kind of be at the higher end of the 63s. Um, but just by moving up a weight category, it allows me to sit and eat to fuel my training without kind of having to stress about dropping any weight leading up into the next meet. So nice. So are you, what, so you sat around the 60 mark, somewhere around there at the moment, are you then? Um, I actually have no idea how much I weigh at the moment, but I would imagine I'm somewhere around 59.60-ish. But uh, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, no. So obviously it takes a lot of the stress out of, of going into the competition, which um, funnily enough, we're going to talk about today. Uh, we wanted to talk about making weight for competitions and uh, kind of the strategies around that. Um, so I suppose, what are the sorts of things that might be weight restricted then? What sort of competitions? 
Um, so obviously I compete in powerlifting um, and then along the same lines as powerlifting you have weightlifting um, which is also weight category based um, and then I believe you've got um, a lot of the combat sports are weight restricted so boxing, jiu-jitsu, um, MMA, those sorts of sports. Uh, can you think of any more? Uh, I think they're the, the kind of the mainstream ones aren't they? Um it's uh, tug of war. <laughs> so we had an interesting, com- yeah, we had an interesting conversation last night about tug of war when we tried to record this. We're, we're a few days late, um, but uh, the podcast got snowed in. Can we use that as an excuse? Um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, and we were talking about so one of my childhood friends that I've grown up with. He competes to a really high level at tug of war. Um, which sounds really mad because it's the sort of thing you like you did on sports day maybe at school and that was about it um, and he his dad was like a national champion competed at an international level both his brothers do it he does it and they all I think his dad coaches now but he's like his three him and his two brothers do it and uh, yeah they compete at like a national level they compete on the international stage and it's absolutely balmy that there's just this like such a weird no, it's not really a weird sport. It's kind of like a cool sport, I suppose. Um, but just like something that's actually really, really big that just not many people know about. Uh, but that's all uh, weight categorised. So obviously, it'd be really, um, uh, it'd be unfair if you had one team that weighed a collective, I don't know, seven hundred kilos, and the other team only weighed five hundred kilos. Mass pulls mass, doesn't it? So, um, so yeah. So uh, that's why, kind of, I suppose things are weight categorized so like boxing you have your, your heavyweight your featherweight your welterweight your middleweight and all the other weights in between um because you wouldn't want to see Amir Khan fighting David Hay would you because um David Hay would probably knock his head off uh so um so yeah and then same with weightlifting as well like mass moves mass so the heavier you are you are the uh, typically the the more you be able to move look at somebody like um Eddie Hall uh, an absolute monster of a man 28 stone i think he was close to 30 stone when he won world's strongest man um he's going to do a little bit better than me who weighs 12 stone um so yeah <laughs> with a yeah. few other factors thrown in as well but uh yeah so it, these things they, they tend to be weight categorized um just to to kind of level the playing field a little bit um so typically then I suppose like looking at your experience for, for your last comp, um, you said you were a couple of kilos heavier than what you were. So, uh, something that a lot of people know about is obviously dieting and we, well, you would have to diet to get to that weight category. So, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of how to uh, <laughs> seamlessly move into the next, <laughs> the next question. Um, and failed miserably. Uh, so <laughs> what kind of different weight cuts would you use then? Um, so, yeah. So I suppose what, so using, I kind of suppose my experience to like segue in, what I had um, in my mind that I would have preferred to have done would have been a longer term diet to easily make my weight um, around about, 57 or just over so I could just manipulate a little bit in the last week um over like a a longer time period um unfortunately for me it was the summer I had a couple of um holidays and festivals booked it was my birthday um and dieting just didn't happen um so I didn't use what I would class as kind of say the best strategy um uh and for me, I had to kind of drop 
maybe like a kilo and a half in the last week, um, which wasn't optimal, but um, it was very doable through just manipulating a little bit of my water intake and manipulating kind of the amount of carbohydrates I was eating um, and just bearing in mind the sodium I was eating as well in that last week just to kind of like manipulate things. Um, But best case scenario is if I'm working with an athlete um, that needs to make weight is we have a very long or we have a time period um, a timeline and we say that we want to get them to make their weight a couple of weeks before they actually have to make weight so that therefore um, within the last couple of weeks leading up into a competition where recovery is like um, key we can have them increasing their calories back up um, eating more so therefore they're going to be recovering from those last couple of really hard weeks of training a lot more optimally um, than if you've still got them in a deficit so one girl I'm working with at the moment actually is making weight for March I believe um, and she came to me in January and we've spent the first like four weeks of working together trying to get her down to her weight. Now she's really, really close to where she needs to be. We're going to start building calories back up so that she can use that to kind of fuel her training um, and hopefully make weight really easily by the time it gets to March. So in an ideal world, then you would want as long as possible to get down into to that weight. So typically in a weight, a weight making sport, you would, like you say, sit just above your weight and you'd diet down into it and then you would be at the, the top end of that weight. Um, whereas opposed to, I suppose, this year where you'd be kind of in the middle of that weight. Um, mm-hmm. So it, one would think that you you had more advantage being at the top end of that weight. So that's why people, I suppose, drop down into a weight category instead of bulk up into one. Um, so as you said there, so you kind of left it a little bit last minute Um I think a lot of people do that, don't they? It's kind of like anything. It's like you're going on holiday and you're trying to diet for it. Oh, it's it's ages away. It's ages away, and then it's like a month away, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> so Lots of like to do not very much time to do it. In. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's not just a case of like obviously, as we know, to lose weight, you need to reduce your calorie intake. Um, so I suppose with a lot of people that maybe sit a kilo above their 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 weight, um, they can manipulate. Like you, like you were saying, manipulate things like carb intake, sodium, water intake, things like that to drop, uh, to drop a, basically a kilo in a week or overnight. Now I'm sure a lot of us would love to drop a kilo in a week; it's pretty good going. Um, but here we're talking about weight and not fat, aren't we? So um, I suppose if you had two or three kilos to drop, some of that would need to be fat. Um, but uh, you can drop quite a bit just through things like the water in your body. Uh, the glycogen stores in your muscles um, and things like that. And I always remember a uh, a post, Ross Edgley. Uh, so we've mentioned him before, he's a bit of a madman. Um, and this was years and years and years ago, before he was kind of like the name he is now. Uh, I remember he, this is when I used to, I started following him. Uh, he did, he tried to see whether he could lose 24 pounds in 24 hours, which is mad. It's like a stone and a half, just over. Um, yeah, so it's a hell of a lot of weight in, in 24 hours. And the sort of things he was doing, he basically didn't eat, didn't really drink. He had a load of hot baths to try and sweat out the uh, the, uh, the, like the the fluid. He was going to the gym, wrapping himself in like pin bags, trying to sweat it out, uh, doing cardio. And he, he did this basically for like 24 hours straight, just rotating what he was doing. And um, I think he ended up dropping something like 26 or 28 pounds in 24 hours which is mad. And how much of that would have been fat? Yeah, very, very little of it. Um, So it is possible to drop a hell of a lot of weight. Now, bear in mind, at the end of that, he was probably severely dehydrated. He was, um, 
relatively malnourished as well um yeah uh, and things like that so not not always the best idea to be dropping um all your bodily fluids and, and everything else because bearing in mind it's not just a case of like it's not a competition of who could make weight it's a competition of who can then go on and lift or fight or, or what have you so um so as we kind of said the best strategy would be to try and lose it all in a long period of time try and um be under your weight so you can feed up like what Fran's going to do this time round, um or you know be very very close to it so you can just manipulate a few factors and then kind of come into it um so what sort of things would you have to do then to we've kind of touched upon a few if you were having to rapidly lose the weight what sort of things would you want to bear in mind what sort of things would you um need to do uh, to do that okay so i think Probably the first thing to think about is um, depending on what sport you do, you have different amount of time period between weighing in and then actually having to compete. Um, so, for example, for powerlifting and weightlifting, you have a two hour time period. So you step on the scales, you get your weight and then you have two hours, usually a bit less than two hours, to be honest, between when you have to then go and do your first lift. Um, versus something like some of the boxing and the MMA and that kind of thing. You have a 24-hour period. Um, so in terms of what you can do um, safely the week before, um, if you only have two hours to kind of like recover um, after you weigh in, you're going to want to be looking at losing less a less percent of your body weight than, say, if you have 24 hours to weigh in. And I think the safe limit um, or like the maximal limit of what you can lose is like 10% of your body weight. But that's like very, very severe, should only do under kind of like medical supervision um, and leaves you in a state afterwards. So you would have to kind of adopt some extreme like rehydration strategies afterwards. Um, but say, for example, powerlifting. So I've got my two hour weigh in. Um, and so I'm probably only looking to at my body weight, lose about a kilo, two kilos um, or so. Uh, so the things I did in the week before was um, I manipulated my water, which actually worked way more effectively than I um, thought it was going to. Um, so basically, in the days leading up to my competition, I just pretty much doubled my water intake um, whilst keeping an eye on my sodium. So my sodium kind of stayed the same. Um, and by drinking more water, uh, your body upregulates basically the hormone that makes you need to go to the toilet more. Um, so you start kind of like peeing way more regularly so I was going to the toilet kind of every 20 minutes half an hour um really regularly but that just helps like kind of flush out um any excess like water retention that you are holding on to um so I think in the first couple of days without really manipulating anything in terms of like my carbohydrates or anything um I was losing kind of like 0 0.2 0 0.3 a day just by kind of like increasing my um water intake and sort of peeing more um obviously that's got like a limit to it so you can't just keep drinking more and more forever and losing weight because as you pointed out we're not talking about losing fat here this is simply like manipulating our body water body glycogen stores and that kind of thing um so I wasn't losing fat but I was losing some kind of like water retention um and then in the last couple of days leading up I looked a lot more at kind of my food volume and also um the amount of carbohydrates I was eating so in terms of food volume, I took out um, a lot of fiber containing food. So I took out things like um, a lot of vegetables that I was eating um, and yeah, pretty much like vegetables and any 
um, bulky foods. So I like, I love volume eating. Um, so the volume of my food probably decreased by at least a half, even though I was probably having a similar amount of calories. Um, and in doing that, I also reduced my carbohydrate intake as well and probably increased my fat intake a little bit. Um, so the calories are about the same, but I was eating a lot less food volume. So I've got less weight in my stomach. Um, and then by reducing the carbohydrates as well, um, I was losing. So when you eat carbohydrates, every gram of carbohydrate that you eat um, has a certain amount of water that gets retained with it. Um, so by eating less carbohydrates, I was just retaining less water with the food I was eating as well. Um, and all that worked out quite nicely in the end. So the day before I made the day before my competition, I made weight. Um, and then, yeah, I just had to maintain that for a day um, and then made weight nicely. Nice. So I suppose it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because like when we're losing weight with, um, or trying to lose body fat, uh, we'd look at a few of those things. So it'd be like, okay, well, you'd maybe have slightly higher carbohydrate to fat ratio uh, to fill you up. You would have more volume foods to fill you up um, and the fiber and everything like that to, to, uh, to help uh, keep you satiated. Um, so you kind of basically do the opposite. Um, but Obviously, I was calories starving. Are still, yeah, calories are still. I was very uh, hungry. <laughs> um, so somebody like uh, Brett, who likes eating lots and lots of volume, would probably suck at um, making weight <laughs> just because he'd yeah. be too hungry. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, that's awesome. So, uh, so there's a few kind of interesting facts there. So, um, I suppose if. <laughs> If anybody is uh, listening to this who does Slimming World, try a few of those tips before your next weigh-in and you'll be biggest loser of the week. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, without actually having to lose a, a drop of fat. Um, no, that's funny. Okay, so um, so yeah, so we kind of went through kind of like the maximum amount there. Ten percent—that's quite a lot, isn't it? So what kind of um, what kind of time period? I know we said obviously this is extreme extreme cases but what sort of time period would you would you be looking at losing that if you were to to sort of safely lose 10 percent um so i so that's like the maximum amount you could like possibly dehydrate yourself um and i would like never ever recommend that obviously um 10 percent would be quite easy to lose um if you were doing kind of a longer dieting period um so for example 10 percent for me would be like five and a half kilos um, so I'd maybe looking to lose, I don't know, four of those kilos over a kind of six week period, maybe. Um, and then kind of doing what we talked about in terms of like the manipulation of water and carbohydrates and food volume, um, within the last week to lose that last kind of kilo and a half. Um, that would be kind of a, a good way to, to make weight. If I, could take someone and um like help them make weight more effectively than that over a longer period of time i would probably have them um diet the majority in advance um and then sort of work on keeping the calories high and then just manipulating that last bit um so really the longer time that you give yourself the more chance you give yourself of um a making it a very stress-free process because we know also that when you get very stressed about a situation um there's the kind of potential for some water retention associated with stress um and also strength loss so like you pointed out earlier like you're it's not a competition as to who can make weight it's a competition as to who can step on the platform and lift the most or who can fight the other person most effectively so you need to be fast and kind of powerful and agile um so they're really 
like the important factors. Um, so really, you don't want your weight cutting strategy to affect your performance. Um, and in order to do that, you probably do need a longer time period to kind of um, to do things over. Because um, yeah. if you adopt any very extreme diets, like extreme calorie deficits, you are most likely going to affect your training as well um, and performance. Yeah, it's kind of eaten into my next question a little bit nicely. So I was going to say, what's, what are the, the, the negatives? What are the downsides to not giving yourself enough time? And what things do we need to uh, bear in mind uh, when we are trying to do it a bit more rapidly? Uh, yes, I suppose what I just um, kind of touched on in terms of the negatives of doing it quickly are you are likely to um, to lose some performance aspect of whatever you're doing. Um, it's also not very nice. Um, anyone that's kind of gone through a weight cutting strategy before, you do often feel like utter um, rubbish at the end of it. Um, and it's also very dangerous if you push it to the more extreme levels. I don't know, have you... Um, heard some of the cases of um, boxers and fighters and stuff trying to dehydrate themselves so severely that they end up kind of going into a coma and either severely damaging their brains or dying from it. Yeah, Have you heard yeah. Those kind they, of... they tend to try and sort of sweep them under the carpet a little bit, don't they? Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's apparent and it happens and it, it probably you know it probably happens every year, doesn't it? Especially is the worrying thing is it's not even at the amateur levels though, is it? Because um i know like the, the fight sports are probably the most backward of all um some of the stuff you hear that they're doing and the, the extremes they're pushing it are just ridiculous um and there was the there was a oh, i'm sure there was a big fight recently it was mma or when i say recently i'm probably talking about within the last 12 months where the guy didn't make weight and they're like oh sorry i don't care you know just fight me anyway sort of thing um because when they it's always funny when you see them stepping stepping on the scales and they're like shredded six packs and um they look incredible and then they uh, they, they get in the ring the next day and they're like bloated stomachs and uh, they they look about 10 kilos heavier don't they so yes, you know the they, fact that they, they haven't made weight by 0.1 kilo is irrelevant because the next day they're 5 kilos heavier anyway um, yeah that's why they have the 24 hours they just go and absolutely stuff their faces for 24 hours and gain as much weight as they possibly can in that time period <laughs> yeah so uh so obviously they're kind of touched upon the fact that um if you're if you've seriously reduced your glycogen so that's your kind of like your stored energy within the muscles um if you've reduced that you're not going to have then the energy to go on and it might not be uh is a bigger deal for like a weight, uh, like a weightlifting thing, because that's you know you've got a couple of shots then, haven't you? You you've got your two or three lifts or, or whatever. Um, whereas something where like boxing, you go for twelve rounds, you're going to require a lot more of a, a glycogen store than somebody who's doing three or four lifts. Um, so the, the obviously the longer your event is, you've got to have that that glycogen store built back up. So if you've only got two hours to refeed and you haven't eaten carbs for the last three weeks you're going to be screwed after about three and a half seconds, aren't you? Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so they kind of, I suppose that's something to bear in mind. And also if you are, um, if you're on sort of like death's door of dehydration and malnutrition, how on earth are you expecting to go and try and lift a PB? Um, you're not going to do it, are you? So uh, all these things have to be taken into account. And I suppose also that should then, uh, should be factored into what category you're doing as well. Um, so if you're saying, right, okay, well, I need to drop 10 kilos to, to like save myself. Um, I sit between 80 and 83 kilos. If I was to go and do a, a weight sport, I would look at maybe doing the like a sub 
80 kilos uh, category. I wouldn't then go, you know what, I'm going to do an under 75 category because that would be too much to lose um, and I would sort of negatively impact my, my training, like you said. Um, we've all, uh, what well, I say we've all, those who have dieted um, know that their lifts aren't nowhere near as good. Uh, dieted for you know, a prolonged period of time, know that your lifts drop off, know that uh, your energy for training drops off, know that your recovery is, is rubbish and you end up having to reduce the amount of days you're training, things like that, just because uh, all that is impacted. So if you're, like Fran said, on a severe diet, dropping a kilo a week or a kilo and a half a week, um, how on earth do you expect to be, get better and stronger and faster and quicker um, when, you're, when your body's running on empty? So... Uh, yeah, so I suppose that ties in then really to uh, like a refeed approach and, and that sort of thing. So I suppose if we look at this at a couple of different ways, um, let's look at the kind of like a two to three hour window of, of refeeding after after the weigh-in. So you weigh in, um, you make weight, brilliant, you're 0.1 under the, the weight. Um, obviously, you're not going to then go, right, well, I have to step on the platform at that weight or step in the ring at that weight. Um, like we said now, it's, you've got a two, three hour window where it's a free for all. So what sort of things are you doing? What things should you be doing uh, in that window? So unfortunately, within um, a lot of, uh, especially from my experience in powerlifting sports, the general strategy for most people is just go and stuff your face with anything and everything that you've been depriving yourself for for the last however long to make weight. So you see people eating ridiculous amounts of, bearing in mind weigh-ins are usually at eight in the morning. So this is at like half eight in the morning. You see people literally shoveling in donuts, cakes, all kinds of different things that they're just not used to. Um and there's two things kind of wrong with that, basically. Um, one is the food that you're eating um, kind of then isn't going to have much time to um, digest and actually kind of like give you, it will give you obviously energy because if you're eating like quick sugars and stuff, it will digest. Um, but a lot of people find that they have then like GI discomfort or they feel very sick, or their uh, their equipment doesn't fit them in the same way. So, for example, their lifting belts. If you think about you've just binged on donuts, and then you have to put a lifting belt on and brace for your life underneath a very heavy bar, um, it's gonna be it's gonna make you feel sick, and it's probably gonna impact your performance as well. Um, so, my strategy is always, and what I always recommend other people to do, is just stick to foods that you know your body can digest well. So. Yes, fast digesting foods, so um, things like cereals, serene malt loaf, um, like maybe a carbohydrate drink or something, um, rather than foods that you haven't had for ages and you don't know how they affect you, you don't know how you feel training on them, you don't know how you feel performing on them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the first thing wrong. Um, and the second thing is the thing that's going to affect you the most um within like a two hour weigh-in is you will be dehydrated when you are stepping on those scales if you've manipulated water um if you've had to like cut cut off your water intake say 24 hours before you weigh in um to ensure you make weight you will be dehydrated and dehydration affects people way more than um they realize or know um and it's actually not spoken about very much but dehydration of as little as like two to three percent of your body weight will affect your performance you won't be able to produce um kind of maximal force you won't um you'll probably feel quite dizzy you won't feel very kind of mentally alert so really what people should be doing is going and focusing on rehydration first so 
um, something like a Lucasade or um, just like a sports drink um, or like kind of adding some salts to their food and making sure they have loads of water with that as well to A, make sure they rehydrate and then B, obviously make sure they're eating foods that they know work for them. So they would be kind of like the two things I would recommend. Perfect. I think that's invaluable. Um, I suppose touching on the the, the the rehydration. So should we go and bring in six litres of our finest water and smash it all back? No, that would be a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sorry. So in terms of um, rehydration, you want to be having a drink that has some electrolytes in um, and probably some carbohydrates in as well so that you can start to get some carbohydrates back into your system. Um but yeah, six litres of just plain water will not hydrate you optimally um, because you need the electrolytes within that fluid to help it sort of be retained within your body. Otherwise, it's just going to kind of go um, go straight through you. So actually a lesser amount of liquid, so like maybe 500 mils to a litre, but with some electrolytes in, um, is going to be a lot more um, effective at rehydrating you. Um, and I suppose along with that, it's things like, if you just down a drink, then um, a lot less of that will be retained than if you kind of sip it across the course of an hour. Um, and the more sort of like carbohydrates a drink has in it as well, the more is going to be retained as well. So Awesome. That's good. Um, so kind of touching upon the uh, things that you know digest well, this is maybe something you'd like to do like a dress rehearsal of maybe. So uh, whether it be in your off season or whether it just be every day before training or, um, you know, obviously it depends on kind of what sort of calories you're on running up to the competition. Um, but for me, I know uh, when I used to uh, when I used to go to the gym seriously it sounds bad that does doesn't it um but basically last summer uh not last summer the summer before sorry I uh, so this was after I did my first competition and um I took my like off-season period for about 12 months really really seriously um I was only working like three or four days a week I was single and you know I could I could do all these things um and I would eat the same things before training I would have the same like amount of liquid and everything whilst I was training I knew exactly what I was putting into my body I knew that it all worked and and everything um I don't have that luxury of time and and all that now but uh, I do try and take on some of those approaches when I am still training and um uh, knowing exactly what your body responds well to is 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 key like you say there's nothing worse than um going to the gym and having an upset stomach and uh <laughs> the last thing you want is a, a bit of a dodgy belly when you're trying to do some squats because you don't want the whole world to know <laughs> when you get down in the hole that uh, <laughs> uh especially yeah. not on a platform in front of a nice audience of people <laughs> yeah. being live streamed on facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah when it's really quiet as well mm. um yeah, so I suppose like for my own experience, like on a Saturday before hockey, I do the, I eat the same foods, I eat the same, those sorts of things, because I know exactly quantity wise, timing wise, all that stuff, how that's going to impact my performance on a, on the pitch. So I know I will always have a big bowl of Cocoa Pops, I'll have a couple of rounds of toast with a bit of Marmite on it, um, and I'll also always have a Lucozade in the hour running up to it, um, and I'll also have a bag of Jelly Babies with me to kind of have a few before, a few during, uh, and then sometimes a few after if there's some left. Um, so <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, doing those dress rehearsals, knowing what works well for you, that sort of stuff is uh is really key I think in in any sport not just the weight making sports um yeah so what what are you, what are your go-tos then 
Um, so I pre every competition I've ever done, I have always had um, a rehydration drink. So you know those tablets that you can buy. I think they're mainly used for endurance sports. They're like the high five tablets that you. The, I don't know, they're like an electrolyte tablet yeah. that you put in your water. Mm-hmm. So I've always had one of those, which I forced myself to drink, which isn't isn't pleasant, but it does the job. Um, and then I've always gone for some kind of oats or cereal with banana, berries, a little bit of protein in there. Um, and then after that, so that's kind of like a main meal because before every single training session I do pretty much, I have oats. So I know that they digest well for me. I know that they fuel me well for my sessions. Um, and I'm very, very used to kind of performing with oats in me, I suppose, or digesting oats. Um, and then after that, I go for, um, similar to yourself, jelly beans are great. Uh, serene malt loaf is also great. Um, bananas, because they're really kind of like easy to eat and like very fast digesting. Um but yeah, all of those are also things that I use in my training sessions. So if I have a training session that's going to take me over an hour, I will kind of like use sweets intra-workout. Um, and I often eat things like Serene if I just need a quick snack before I go. Um, so yeah, they're all foods that I use year round within my training and maybe just in slightly greater quantities on competition day. Awesome. Yeah. So again, that, that dress rehearsal every single day, you know exactly what it is that uh, that you're putting into yourself, you know how it reacts and, and all that. Perfect. Um, okay then. So uh, I've, I think I've spoken about this before when like being backstage on uh, like a bodybuilding competition, you see some ridiculously stupid things. So you've kind of mentioned it there where people are bringing like a tray of 24 Krispy Kremes to, to eat pre-competition um, to, to help refuel and, and everything. Uh, what are some of the really stupid approaches that you have heard of, seen that are just going to end up in disaster or let's say less optimal to be polite? So before my last competition, as I was waiting for the weigh-in room, I was surrounded by everyone obviously was trying to, it was a national competition. So a lot of people were kind of at the top end of the weight category trying to make weight. Um, And I just had, I heard all kinds of absolutely bizarre stories. So there was a girl that had woken up at like 5am to have a hot bath to try and sweat some more out and was just standing there just spitting in a cup over and over and over again just trying to get rid of every single last drop of fluid that she had in her so that was pretty bizarre but again quite normal for powerlifting competitions you do get people that have been kind of make it or using extreme strategies to make weight so there's lots of spitting in cups there's lots of taking hot baths to have a to try and sweat things out there was actually one girl that didn't make weight so within powerlifting you get to go in you step on the scales if you don't get if you don't make weight you have um, another x amount of time to come back in um, and retry to make weight so this girl was running around in a bin bag outside just trying to sweat out the last little bits of anything that she could kind of get out of her body. And she did actually end up making weight. She didn't perform particularly well on the day, um, but she did end up making weight and was allowed to compete. Um, So I suppose they're probably the most bizarre things that I've seen in the weigh-in room. Um, And I've also heard a couple of horror stories of people that have weighed in absolutely fine, but have then gone on to binge or abuse caffeine or just do really dumb things in the two hour period before they lift and then just haven't been able to lift because they feel so ill. 
yeah. And ca- caffeine's always one that you have to be a bit wary of. Everybody knows what a good morning coffee can uh, can help happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's the so yeah, I have heard of pretty pretty awful things happening if you don't do it correctly. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. So because I know like saunas are a very regular one, especially in the week leading up um yeah mm-hmm. the, hot, the hot baths and stuff like that so um so basically if if it sounds a bit ridiculous and sounds a bit stupid then um don't do it <laughs> just postpone do another competition um go in a different weight category <laughs> just yeah uh one... day most of these sports are recreational sports even if you're competing nationally most of them don't um unless you're going to kind of win a a world title because you're making weight it's probably not worth it especially not if people have first time competitions I would always say it doesn't matter what weight category you compete in you're not going to either win or you're not going to come away with any like records just compete wherever your body sits because it doesn't matter at the end of the day wise words wise words definitely you know you're doing it for fun and so if you're not having fun doing it then why do it if you're having to diet off 20 kilos to to compete at 60 kilos just yeah it's not fun so why why are you doing it unless you're doing it as like the end thing for like a body transformation so uh there was a thing on mtv i don't know if you remember this from a few years ago and it was like looking at people to trying to get them to lose loads and loads of weight and they were losing like a hundred pounds um and then at the end we'd have like a prom or they'd have something kind of like as their end goal uh i remember one lad he did a bodybuilding competition at muscle beach uh and he lost like a ridiculous amount of weight and then he did this competition but he was a million miles away from from obviously like from being shredded uh but it was it was kind of cool to see him do this thing but he was so uncomfortable doing it and you kind of had to feel for the bloke uh but uh yeah so unless yeah unless you're using it as like a an end goal thing but if you're doing it for a bit of fun and you're doing one or two competitions a year just it's fun at the end of the day so yeah um an interesting way yeah, it's making... why i've gone it's why I've... go on sorry sorry what uh, I was going to say an interesting one. So, like, we were just sharing some notes before uh, before we started recording, and I was looking through them. And uh, one of the methods of making weight that was on the list was blood donation. Uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's such a, a good idea. But at the same time, like, it's kind of at the at the extreme end of things. Um, so yeah, just take a pint of blood, and that'll make me weigh a few pounds less. <laughs> right. Another slimming world recommendation: try and time your blood donation before your big win <laughs> maybe that's what that girl should have done just like slit a wrist and just let a little bit out <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh dear dear all right um yeah oh, dear. <laughs> uh, maybe not maybe not that's not a recommendation <laughs> no. uh, yeah I was, all i was gonna say is that's why i've gone up a weight category to me it just wasn't worth the stress of like trying to diet down and i'm gonna be stronger as a 63 as well over time um so for me it just it just makes sense to sit in a category that I don't have to even think about my weight because before the last competition it was so you've got all of your very stressful training um and kind of worrying about the day and the logistics of the day and then if you've got like I need to step on a scale and be a certain weight like thrown on top of that it is just an extra stress that's not 
like not really needed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like you said, water retention is huge after after stressing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Harrison, who we had on the podcast many months ago last year, um, I'm sure there was a, a week before. It was a couple of weeks pre uh, bodybuilding competition, and he lost six kilos, I think, in the space of a week, uh, purely just through water retention and things like that, because he was getting himself worked up about it and about competing and, and all this and all this. Because he's a bit of a perfectionist, um, so he was obviously stressing am I I going to come in lean enough am I going to be big enough all this all this he went on holiday a couple of weeks before his show I think he was stressing about that as well he went away and just just relaxed ate a little bit more food just enjoyed himself and he lost six kilos in a week um and when you're eating more food that's not going to be fat so yeah yeah no I remember I remember listening to a podcast where he was talking about that so yeah it's interesting yeah yeah so obviously that's it like an extreme end but even if it's just a few pounds of, of water retention um it can be the the difference can't it so the difference between i actually woke up i woke up the next day after my competition so bearing in mind i did my competition and i ate donuts and brownies and i went out for a big pizza and i had ice cream afterwards and i had great time afterwards i woke up the next morning lighter than i had weighed in the day before and i probably would attribute that to how stressed I was leading up into the competition and then just the massive drop off of stress in terms of like oh I've competed I've got it out the way I'm now getting to eat all of these lovely foods and yeah I woke up lighter the next day which is bizarre so on that note let's leave it there then so eat pizza eat ice cream before the weigh-in and you'll wake up lighter (laughs) don't stress (laughs) don't stress is the biggest take home no that's cool so is it anything else you kind of wanted to add in about weight making anything like around the, the kind of topic that we've missed off um i think we've probably covered everything my biggest recommendation to people would just be start early and be sensible sensible about it like use the strategy the long-term strategy that we kind of discussed at the beginning yeah yeah so plan out your time plan out your year know what you're doing in advance if it's last minute is it the best idea for you? Is it the best thing for you? Um, I know I had a mate who uh, rang me up saying, um, I've just been offered a boxing match uh, next week. Or no, I think it was like, a, he, he'd been given like two weeks notice. A guy had dropped out. Uh, I need to be this weight for it. And I was just like, well, they've, they've rang you. So just tell them you're not going to make weight. You're going to be a little bit heavy. Um, and I think it was pretty much what he did. And he, uh, they, they allowed him to come in like a kilo heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so don't stress about it um, is, is the big one. And uh, plan, plan, plan ahead. And if you're unsure what you're doing, ask for help. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of people out there that can help. Um, and if I, if you want any sort of like reading around to so if anybody's a boxer or a powerlifter or anything like that, and they want some reading around the area, obviously like this podcast has just told you everything you need to know, but, um, what sort of good bits of literature that are free out there or that people can get their hands on that are uh, pretty good. What, what, what would you recommend? Um, so Danny Lennon, who I'm sure we've probably spoken about on the podcast before, um, has a weight cutting, I think a weight cutting strategy, either it's a PDF or a spreadsheet where you put in your numbers and it spits out what you should do um, and tells you whether it's reasonable to make weight for a certain date and stuff. So that's what I would probably signpost people towards. Um, and I'm sure if anyone actually is interested, they can just get in contact with either one of us because there are plenty of papers out there about um, kind of like water manipulation and we can just like either link them in the podcast notes or send them out to people if people want to read actual kind of 
um scientific journals and papers and stuff so yeah it's awesome. probably the thing to do yeah yeah um yeah, so yeah, like you say, Danny Lennon. I think he's got like an ebook on it as well, which is quite extensive. So it covers absolutely everything, and I suppose that is a kind of like the go-to manual that I know of as well. So mm. um, yeah, I'd, and I'm sure his podcast, Stigma Nutrition. Um, I'm sure he's probably done an episode or two on that as well. So um, and that's basically yeah. what he does, doesn't he? He's a because uh, uh, he's powerlifting and stuff like that. So that's kind of one of his big things. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, there, there are coaches out there that specialize specifically in this. Um, oh, I was trying to think of his name now. Uh, Sam McKenzie. He like, pretty much all he does is just like works with fighters uh, and stuff like that. So you know these people who are very well educated and know what they're doing, and obviously like ourselves as well. We've we've uh, we we know it. We know a thing or two. Coach Franny over here, she knows a thing or two. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so it, yeah, there's plenty of good guys out there who can help you. Um, and if you wanted some free advice, then we've kind of we've we've chucked that your way as well. So. But yeah, no, I think uh, that was a good, good topic um, and an interesting one as well because you do see and hear a lot of things that are maybe a little bit confusing around it, especially if you're watching the boxing and the commentators are talking about making weight or, or whatever and it can be a bit confusing sometimes. So uh, yeah, it's always good to kind of brush up on a little bit of knowledge around the area. Um, yeah. What are your plans for the rest of the day? Slimming, slimming world trips in <laughs> yeah. there as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All you slimmers out there. Um yeah. So what are your what are your plans for the rest of the day, Fran? Um, so I am just kind of running some arounds this afternoon, and then I have a big deadlift and bench session to get done this evening. Um, so yeah, that is pretty much the rest of my day. Nice. Um, and I'm actually going on holiday for a couple of days, a little trip to Berlin this weekend. So I need to start packing for that as well. Cool. Um, so are you, are you going there with friends, family? Uh, yeah, just two of my friends from uni. We all finished exams and we decided to book a little um, end of exams treat getaway. So it should be really nice. So no. if anyone has any recommendations for Berlin, then let us know. Yeah, get in touch with Fran. <laughs> my parents went uh, last year or the year before and I, I have no idea where they went, but um, they, they really enjoyed it. And yeah, they said it was good. Yeah, a very nice yep. mix of architecture of new and old. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What are you up to for the city? Um well, I'm, I'm technically ill from work, so I have <laughs> recording podcasts. I, I I could have either used the uh, I need the I need the day off because I'm ill or uh, I'm snowed in. Either one would have been a good excuse, but um, no, I'm pretty much just restricted to my bed today. Um, yeah, and I haven't trained all week, which is really really frustrating, just because I've just it's one of those things, isn't it? When you're ill, training is not going to be great. So why why do yeah. Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> uh, but Very yes, uh, well, you know, I like to be sometimes <laughs> uh, sensible and lazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very sensible. Yeah, yeah. How uh, how long do your sessions last at the moment? Just out of curiosity. Um, anywhere between an hour and a half and two hours, really. Um, I could probably squish them into a little bit less, but. I like to take my time when I train and I at the moment have the luxury of having a little bit more time and I also train with um, a great group of people which I love but it does mean that things just take a little bit longer because you're sharing bars or sharing a bench and uh, there's a bit of socializing involved as well so um, I'm sure I could make them shorter but yeah around an hour and a half to two hours. Hence the jelly beans in, in between sets. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask actually if you were training on your own at the moment, or so do you train with the powerlifting club? Or 
Uh, yeah, I mainly train with the powerlifting club here at Loughborough. Um, so we have two um, set team trainings a week. And then generally I just head down to the gym at around four or five and there is always people there to train with. So it's nice because you kind of mix up who you train with each day. But it's very, um, very social um, and a very motivating environment to be in. So, yeah, if anyone is coming to Loughborough, <laughs> I, that's a bit of a niche, niche shout out. But, yeah, the powerlifting club is great. Um, very inclusive so so if anybody likes lifting really heavy things and isn't intimidated by other people lifting really heavy things it's the place to go <laughs> uh, I've trained there once actually at Powerbase exactly. it was uh, it, it, uh, it was it was a good gym it was a good gym um, yeah some very yeah, very big humans in there <laughs> yes very very strong <laughs> <laughs> are the British powerlifting team are they still based there or British weightlifting team yeah the British weightlifting team um, yeah tend to they have like a a base at Loughborough University so uh, we're lucky in that we get to train kind of amongst quite a high caliber of athlete a lot of the time because a lot of the sports teams at Loughborough are kind of um, so you've got British athletics are based there as well um, so yeah it kind of makes you feel like a bit of a small fish in a big pond um, but it's a very good environment to be in. Yeah nice always striving for something a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool um, I haven't been to Loughborough yet this well, for a while, because we used to play against them in hockey all the time, but uh, they restructured yeah. the league, so we don't play against Loughborough anymore, So, because uh, they're yeah. a, bit, a bit too good. So, <laughs> uh, We were clinging on for dear life, and they were top of the league oh, every, yes. every year. So, uh, yeah, so they, so I haven't actually had the chance to, to go as much as I normally would, but uh, we'll have to set a team training date so you can show us all up. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, uh, Put you all through a powerlifting workout. Yeah, yeah, that sounds brutal. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll stick to lifting my pink weights uh, in the corner. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, then. Well, let's sign off there, and uh, yeah, and we'll speak soon. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>